Hello listeners, this is Lee Price. This is Will Ford from Football365. And you're listening, smartly, to At, At The, the Bridge, Bridge Pod, Pod, a Chelsea, Chelsea FC podcast. podcast, although I would describe it as THE Chelsea FC Podcast. from Eden Hazard, Kai Havertz in the Champions League final, Ivanovic! In the middle, it's just behind him, but it's by Hakim Ziyech. Matic with the ball driver! It's time for another episode of At The Bridge Pod, your number one Chelsea FC podcast. Coming up on this episode... The British newspaper The Sun decided to produce a Birmingham possible 11 under Wayne Rooney. And they put David De Gea in goal. Cannot wait to hear how David De Gea is very happy and chuffed to go from £300,000 a week to just under 20000 at Birmingham. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of At The Bridge Pod. I'm joined in a virtual room filled with a lion. Just the one today. We've got Chris. Uh, quick bit of housekeeping, though, before I ask ask him that important Monday pod question. Uh, our podcast over the weekend became the number one Chelsea podcast in Latvia. So that was, oh, I love that sort of stuff. Um, yeah, thank you so much to all our uh, listeners in Latvia. Your support does mean a lot to us. Really, really does. And... Of course, the question that I ask every Monday, what were your highlights? Well, there's only one person here. So what was your highlight from the weekend, Chris? Uh, I scored a hat-trick yesterday. That, oh, uh, nice. In the first half. Um, nice. And then got brought off on about 60 minutes. So oh. that annoys me a bit. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, yeah. Annoys me. Probably that, because they were... <laughs> yeah, the rest of the weekend was quite quiet. So yeah, I probably okay. have to say that. Oh, fair. Uh, you know what? Mine is kind of a real feel-good story to get us going because in October 2021, goalkeeper Riley Foster was involved in a car accident that left her with seven fractures in her neck, and she was told you're never playing football again. And on Saturday. She returned to the pitch after 731 days for Wellington Phoenix and played the full 90 minutes. And that, for me, is legendary. What yeah, a comeback. That is, that is a nice story. So awesome. And it's just good to see because it doesn't always happen. But when it does, it's like, oh, just just showing the odds that, you know, even when they're not in your favour, doesn't mean anything. You can always come back and you can always prove them wrong. So Yeah, it's, pr- it's proof as well, isn't it, that, they're not always right. Like that just is, because they exactly. say that, you, you don't exactly. have to. You don't. You don't have to listen. Yeah, exactly. That is the tra- the case. Right. Let's hit some news. Oh, it's the Monday show, so we're going to have a quick look over at the second game of Chelsea's WSL season. But before we discuss the result, here is my match report. Chelsea women secured a hard-thought victory against West Ham United in the Super League at Kings Meadow. The, the Blues opened the scoring with Sam Kerr's goal, uh, powered home from pinpoint cross by Neve Charles, gave them that slender lead going into the half. Uh, despite West Ham's threat on the counter-attack in the second half, Chelsea held on to that lead and Aaron Cuthbert came off the bench in injury time to seal the points of another goal. Three important points, especially after the draw last week. Uh, the game featured several Chelsea changes with Meron Yeld returned to the defence and Melanie Lupoles, Frank Kirby and Sam Kerr earning their first starts of the season. Lauren James had an early chance for Chelsea, but the header was narrowly wide and Kerr was flagged offside in her second attempt. Uh, Kerr herself eventually found the net, heading in Charles' well-delivered cross. 
Chelsea could have added another before half-time, but James's effort was saved by West Ham's Mackenzie Arnold. So, second half. West Ham, they come out, they're determined. They forced our goalkeeper, Musevic, into action with an acrobatic effort from a corner. However, the game's balance remained in, in Chelsea's favour, let's be honest, with Kerr's first half goal. And a double change saw Aaron Cuthbert surpass those 200 appearances for the Blues and almost resulted in a second goal, but went wide. So, Chelsea continued to press with Nushkin and Cuthbert going close with their efforts. And as the game neared its conclusion, uh, Cuthbert won two with Jesse Fleming and slotted home a goal, securing Chelsea's second home victory of the season. Uh, the Blues moved to the top of the WSL with this incredible hard-fought win at Kings Meadow. So, you've heard the match report, but the, what did you take from this 2-0 win over the Hammers, Chris? Um, still not firing on all cylinders. Um, yeah, that's, that's pretty, yeah, I can't argue. It's, uh, but... The Chelsea women are notorious for starting the season quite slowly. Yeah, uh, didn't, so, didn't we start the last two seasons with a defeat or something? I think I feel like yeah. that was a, a fact. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, when you look at the other results in WSL over the weekend, it's it seems as though no one's really in their sort of top form at the mm. minute. Um, Man, Man City do look like they're going to be a force this year. But... It's it's never a concern with the Chelsea women's team, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> compared to our, it, the men's side, yeah, it's it's so different. You just know that eventually they're going to kick into gear, and you know they'll be right up there challenging. Even if even if we don't win the league again this year, they'll still still be right up there, and you wouldn't bet against more trophies. But I tell you the thing that I took most from the. Uh, Chelsea women's game this weekend. Hmm. The fact that Chelsea women's Twitter is even starting to turn toxic now. Oh, no. Oh, and it really, really pissed me off. They were our because, last hope. Yeah, because since I've been following them, it's it, it's been like the polar opposite of the men, really. And I know it's easier because they've been winning um, a lot. So it's easier to be positive, but like it, it just felt like everyone supported the team. They supported the players. When I've been to the matches, it's it's all very supportive towards everybody. And then mm. after this, it was like, oh, Leopold shouldn't be playing. Frank Kirby should be sold, which was a ludicrous. <laughs> like, by the way, absolutely ridiculous. Oh wow. Um, Sam Kerr doesn't look like she's firing at the minute. Uh, I don't understand why Emma Hayes has changed so much in the team. I don't know what she's doing this. And I thought, oh, my God, shut up. If there's one person you can trust, it's Emma Hayes. She knows yeah, what she's pretty, doing. I agree there. I mean, I, I, to be fair, when I watched, I mean, within a few minutes of the game kicking off, I thought West Ham should have took the lead because Harry's just failed to take her chance. And yeah, look, at the end of the day, when you are playing an elite side in Chelsea and on the road, you, you need to take your chances, you know, because, you know, if you don't put the pressure on, then you could, you'll get punished. That's a standard, standard attitude. Well, not a stand. Sorry, a standard point against yeah. any top team. You know, you, yeah, you've oh, we had three shots on target all before the uh, 
the other team got go. It doesn't matter if you put one of them in, it all of a sudden puts pressure on the other team. And then Chelsea are having to think, should we change our game plan? Because we're now behind. And then there's that little bit of pressure and the stress of it. But they didn't take the chances. And Sam Kerr then did what Sam Kerr does, you know, score. Yeah. And it, it it was it was a mix up obviously in the defense that creates a chance and Kerr just heads in the cross that yeah, totally left unmarked. So <laughs> it's the easiest goal she'll probably get all season. And then second half, Lauren James should have added to the score, but it was narrowly wide. And I looked at it. Honestly, if you get a chance, listeners, just take a look at how close that shot glides past the post without actually touching it. It's quite yeah. it's like it's one of them like, ah, oh, it's ah, oh, ah. Oh. And then Cuthbert in the 90, 90th showed her strength to play one, two, and then put the game away from West Ham. So it's it's kind of one of those hard fought victories for sure. But, you know, you'll be pleased with a, a W is a W. And considering I just quickly checked, see if I was right when I said to you earlier about how we started the season. Last season, we lost to Liverpool on the opening day and the season before we lost yeah. to Arsenal. So yeah. we've not had a bad start. I mean, you know, we're joint top of the table, so yeah. you can't joint, really joint top with another two teams. So it's yeah, yeah, it's not too bad. So there's positives, and we don't come on Twitter. Come on, what are you doing? We need you need to get positive. You need to get behind the teams. We we keep saying this, and you know, like you always say, if a if a player reads, oh, you were shit, you shouldn't be. Oh, that's going to make me play better next week. Yeah, exactly. I'm going to train it's even harder. Stupid, come on, no, we can't be having that. So, yeah. Right. Uh, international break obviously means that we get to sort of bring some new stuff to you listeners. And this week it's uh, Unfiltered, which is a new title we're running with, uh, where we we ask you, the listener, to share your hottest take or boldest opinion about Chelsea right now. So we've got some really good ones. We really have. We've got... Oh, we have. I was ri- I, w- I was worried because it was like, is anyone going to be like, give a, yeah. a take that's actually not controversial, but at least it could divide an opinion. And <laughs> I was like, don't be so like really obvious. Like, ah, Graham Potter should come back. But look, yeah. we'll kick off with Matt Gilvery, whose take is Chelsea will win the Premier League before Arsenal do. What do you think on that? Oh. <laughs> I would- uh... Oh, that is... I've, I've <sighs> swung from both sides on this because I, at one point I'm like, yeah, we will because it's we do that and Arsenal bottle it. And then I think Arsenal yeah. look actually good. Oh, I don't like that. Arsenal still look better than I thought they was going to be. I thought last season, I thought they'd have like a hangover from last season, um, being mm, that close yeah. to winning the title and not. But I don't know. They, they look like they've come back stronger in a way. Um, yeah. Yeah, oh yeah, 100%. But then you you wouldn't put it past us, would you? Like, we are one of them clubs where we'll just... we. I mean, honestly, I mean, we won't. I just want to put that out there. But you wouldn't be shocked if we won it this season. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, because remember, you know, remember the Conte season. Oh, yeah, man. Yeah, we lost. Th- we lost three 0 at the Emirates, and we looked a million miles off a title. Yeah, and then we won it at a canter. So, <laughs> oh, it was what, like, that was what, so, a, what a season. Yeah, we are just one of them clubs, and so I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we did do it before Arsenal, because I think if Arsenal don't do it this year, which I don't think they will, I, I think we'll be as close to Arsenal as winning it next year as uh, as as anyone. 
Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, do you know when they last won the Premier League title? 2002? It was 0304. It was their Invincible campaign. Yeah, oh, yeah, it's 0304. I thought that was 0203. I mean, yeah. oh, was yeah, it? it's not great, is oh, it? Hang on, was it 0203? Maybe I've screwed. I might have messed that one up. Hang on. Let me uh, double check. I'll just double check. Yeah, you're right. Oh two oh. Oh no. Oh three oh four was when they oh, went on beta. Yeah. yeah, they still then, drew twelve um, games. And then Mourinho come in and changed yeah. everything. We finished. How did we finish second that season? I mean, we did have a lot of money. Obviously, <laughs> I mean, can't Ranieri did a good. Ranieri did a really good job actually that season. Oh yeah, Ra- Ranieri was very harshly sacked, but in hindsight, he wasn't. He wasn't. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Sorry, exactly. but Mourinho delivered us a title so yeah uh rg said chelsea fans are over gassing enzo fernandez not that i think he isn't talented but i still haven't seen him take over a game barring a couple of performances here and there and i'll combine this with ryan anthony's take which is enzo is not earning his place in the first 11 currently so first i just want to say chris why do you have two burner accounts but <laughs> oh, I, I i i don't know but he hasn't been I, I just I can't. I'm sitting on the fence with this one. Splinters in the butt because I don't know. It's uh, it's really nice for me to know I'm not alone. <laughs> well, you're definitely Sorry. not alone. I I don't know if he's overrated. I can't. I don't think you can be no. a World Cup winner no. with a, the young you what, player of the tournament and be overrated. No, he is. Oh, mm-hmm. he he is he is overrated. He is overrated by our fan base massively. Like, Maybe that's because he's 105 million. Yeah. It comes from that desperation of us really not wanting another flop, another expensive flop. Mm. So, like we 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 jump on every little good thing that a player does. Like, oh my god, that's incredible! And it's like, well, to be fair, for hundred and five million, that's what he should be doing. Should be able to pass the ball. Like, it's it's not a massive it's not a massive thing to be able to do if you're costing hundred and five million. I think the mm. thing with Fernandez, and I agree with 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 both those takes completely that. He is incredibly talented. And I think sometimes when when you do criticise a player, people jump on it like you're calling them a bad footballer. But that's not always the case. Like He is extremely talented and he does some incredible things on the pitch. He he really does. Mm. He lovely some lovely touches, some lovely link play, the occasional really good pass. Like I think it was Joe Felix's goal at West Ham last season. The little scooped pass was was brilliant. Oh yeah. And he does do that, but it is occasional. And I think the problem is when you've got such a following on sort of social media, hyping up everything you do, you it, it puts a pressure on him to really take control of games. And he doesn't. He doesn't take control mm. of games. Liverpool, uh, opening game of the season, is the first time I think he's put in a genuine man of the match performance. And we're not far off being in the team for a year now. So it's like, oh, yeah. I think he's been good. Like, I don't think he, he's he's been nowhere near what you would call a flop. And I, I, I think he's been good. Mm. But I don't think he's been anywhere near the level that people say he has. And he's still young enough to get there, obviously. And he, I think yeah. he is getting better uh, and developing. 
Um, but mm. from his point of view, I just don't know whether we have found out what sort of player he is, so what to expect. Mm. Yeah, I think that's that's an interesting take, really. I mean, I was just quickly looking at our at the FIFA World Cup Young Player of the Year award, and it obviously Enzo won it for 2022. And then going backward, it was Mbappe, Pogba, Muller, Podolski, Donovan, and then Owen. So it's a good company. I mean, Podolski's had a very long career, maybe not the heights of what you'd expect. Same with Pogba. Well, well, Pogba's never hit the heights, has he? Let's be honest. No, and now his career's been stalled because someone probably spiked his coffee. Yeah, so, <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, I mean, if you look at whoscored.com over the the summaries for the ratings over the course of the season, Enzo is sixth on that chart, but Reese James is above him, so, and Reese has been out for a bit. So. I, I, tell you, I, I actually, I'm really glad you've brought that up. What about Reese? No, about about the who scored thing, because he's I, on a six point nine four average. Because I see that. I see that over over socials after every Chelsea mm. game, and it's always highlighting just just you know the one player that they really want to push. Like, ah, oh, he was better than him today, according to mm. who scored. Firstly, I don't know how who scored worked this out. I don't know what their <laughs> what their rating system is based on, because it will be down completely down to data. It's not going to be down to anything other than that. Because I am, oh, yeah. I am almost certain, and you, you might be able to check, but I am almost certain that Enzo Fernandez got a higher rating than Conor Gallagher for the Fulham game, where Gallagher was off, um, was was hands down man of the match. I will have a look, but you saying about that, it does remind me that you can. St- it's like Jorginho; he used to be so high in our ratings because he just used to make successful passes. Yep. And that's a very good metric to get your score off. Yeah, exactly. So, which game were you referring to? The Fulham, Fulham one? Fulham one. Right, the Fulham one. Let's have a look. Who had the higher rating? Enzo had a 7.3. Gallagher had a 7.4. Just, ni- oh, just nicked just. it. Nicked it at the end. Just. I could yeah, have sworn. See, and this is this is another case of, do you believe everything that you see? Because I am almost certain. Like, I can remember seeing it now, the screenshot that... Enzo got a higher rating in that game than Gallagher did, and it's like I don't know what you I don't know what you're seeing, but even that I mean I would uh, argue is too close when Gallagher was yeah, hands down yeah. the best player on the pitch. So I don't understand. It's like with those sort of ratings from those sort of websites, people who score goals are always going to have higher ratings. They might not have had, oh, a, yeah. they might I, have had a better game, but they scored. Mm. For me, I always use the eyesight test, which yeah. I know stats stats can be used to prove anything, and I get that. But for me, if my eyes are telling me one thing, then I don't care what the stats on the paper say. The funniest, you know? the yeah. funniest thing about it though is like the same people who will bring up, uh, you know, look at his match rating on who scored. He's got an average of this compared to him. Like you know, like the mm. the whole Enzo Gallagher debate that people love to have now. Why well, you can't support them both? I yeah. don't know, but okay. Apparently, yeah. we have to dis- <laughs> we have to decide between one or the other. Um, yeah, you have to pick a side. Yeah, you have to pick a side. So they'll be like, oh, Enzo's got a better match rating than than Gallagher has. Are the same people who, when Hazard retired, were saying you don't need stats; you just needed to watch him play. Make your mind up. Can't have it both ways. <laughs> yeah, it's fair. It's very fair. 
Uh, we moved to Marv the Greatest, who said, still think Sterling holds the team back. And I know Gallagher is being praised, but he's still not good enough to start, in my opinion. Oh, I mean, Sterling's been one of our best players this, this season, if not our best. This is the best one, yeah. Um, oh, you can't you can't turn on Sterling here. I could Oh, he's he, right. Personally, I kind of I under I don't agree. I I understand where he's coming from because Sterling hmm. can be frustrating um at times. Yeah. Even okay, in even okay. in his good games, like there's there's periods where he just constantly keeps running into defenders and losing the ball. But we're asking for attackers with output and Sterling's got the best output out of any of our attackers this season. So I don't really see how you can you can say he's holding the attack back because if you take him out, we've done even less this season than we have now. So he's certainly not holding us back. Um, the Gallagher one, I just think... I think people now have decided that they don't like or rate him, so they won't ever, they won't ever judge yeah. him as anything more because how you can say... I don't understand where this he's not good enough to play for us when he is playing for us and he is one of the best players. I don't he is doing it. He is playing I in mean, the team yeah. and is one of the best performers. So why isn't he good enough? I don't understand where I, that's coming from. I've got a proposition here because it feels like we move from player to player. I don't know if it's unique to our club, but a player has to be heavily disliked by the fan base in the team. So we have Obviously, Gallagher seems to have that man uh, that title at the moment. He inherited it from Mount. But I was thinking further back, did we have a player like that? I remember Mikel getting a lot of Yeah, John, John Mikel, yeah. A lot of people might go, no, no. I remember a lot of, you know, all negative vibes up towards him. And he was incredible when he turned up. And I'm trying to think of other players that might have had that, like Oscar as well. He seems to have had a bit of a negative. Yeah, but it's just strange. Did. I don't know if it's I don't know if it's unique to Chelsea or it's just a very general football. I guess Man United have Phil Jones and Harry Maguire. So I think it's it does seem different with us because it does seem to be our fans won't even praise them when they do well. It's like, no, 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 I will still find a criticism somewhere. Like earlier in the season, it was Ben Chilwell, wasn't it? Chilwell was the one who was getting all the Yeah, of course. And then Chilwell got injured, so I was like, all right, let's move on to Gallagher. (laughs) (laughs) Do you know know what it is? Sometimes with our our fan base, I think, I think it's snobbery. Oh, okay. Like they prefer the £105 million World Cup winner. (laughs) <laughs> to the yeah, to the okay. to the point. to the lad who forged his career at Swansea and Charlton. Mm, yeah. Like, oh, he, yeah, yeah, he'll never be good enough for us. He's only ever performed for Crystal Palace. Well, I could argue that Enzo <laughs> Fernandez then has only ever performed for Argentina. Oh, fair at, point. At one tournament. <laughs> oh, wow. Right, we'll go to Keith. And he said, eight-year contracts are going to hurt us one way or another. I don't even think that's a hot take. I think that's spot on. Yeah. It's, because yeah, I, definitely. you're either going to have a player who's very, very good and uh, thumbs up, or if it goes south, oh, my word, we are stuck with a player on a long-term deal. Probably, it's not as much as, obviously, the salaries that we were offering in the pre bowley era. So that's a positive. However, obviously, they can legally just sit out that contract and get paid each week. Because again, footballers are not paid to play. They're paid to train. Yep. 
I, I I agree with that take completely. I think it's 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 high risk, high reward strategy. Yeah, that, that, that they've gone and with. Is it is it because if they perform in their second year, for example, and they are like one of the top five in the world, that's a real high suggest. But hear me out. They're going to want a. They're going to want an increase in their salary in the terms of where they're at now in the at their level in the monster. Of course, five. yeah, they will. But the club hold all the power because you've signed an eight-year contract. We don't have to give you a pay rise. So. That's true. I mean, it's because obviously I, I think to the NFL with Patrick Mahomes, and he signed a massive ten-year deal, and he's arguably the greatest player in the NFL right now. And when he signed that, it was like, well, that's a lot of money. But obviously, as the contracts and the salary cap increased, it was looking better and better. But he's only, I think, I don't know how many years he was into this deal before he's recently just signed a new one. So it's kind of like, uh, they're not, they don't I sit think, on it for long because they don't want unhappy players. Yeah. I think the main reason behind it, I think, from a club perspective, would be protecting the price of the asset, which is what players are. Yeah. Like, that's you know, fair. if you think, so we've got a player, let's say, let's say Mudrick. He's on mm. an eight-year contract. Let's say he has his breakout season this season. He's incredible, has an outstanding season, wins, I don't know, young player of the year. I don't even know if he's eligible yeah. for that, but you're, apparently you only have to be like in your 20s. So 27, <laughs> 28, yeah, young player. <laughs> so he, let's say he wins that. Uh, but we as a team don't, finish any higher than eighth yeah. yeah um he can turn around and say i want to leave if he only had a year left on his contract his value is quite mm. low but he wouldn't he'd have seven years left even if we didn't qualify mm. for europe for three years he's still on a long-term contract so if they if those players do suddenly think that they're too good for us and they want to get out teams are going to have to pay mm. big fees because they're still on big con- mm. they're still on long contracts and i think that's what they've gone with it's protecting the resale yeah. value more than anything. Yeah, because we lost we lost Rudiger and Christensen, two high profile top players. Depending on, <clears throat> sorry, but depending on how you feel about them, they were still two top players. Yeah, and they went for free. Yeah. And yeah, you can't. We don't, we don't want to have that situation. And when you think so, about the, it, so, oh, so just just last point. On no, that. go when, ahead. When you think about it, if you look at if someone's twenty three now, and now mm-hmm. on an eight year contract. By the time their contract runs out and they could walk away for th- for free, oh, good show, yeah, they'll be thirty one, thirty two. So and they'll have no pace and be useless. You'll probably, <laughs> yeah, you'll probably be, you'll you'll probably be happier to lose them for free at thirty two yeah. than you would have done at twenty eight. Yeah. yeah, that's fair. I can't argue with that. Uh, Peter Barry, we are actually one of the most impressive teams this season, despite our results. Hmm. What do you think? Um, it, it, it's hard one because I, I mean, this is a hypothetical. We haven't got him playing, but if we'd have kept Unkunku fit, which obviously he wasn't, I feel like we would be in the top three comfortably. I genuinely believe that because he scores goals and we've been creating chances, but we haven't been putting him away. Uh, yes. Uh, Oh, it, 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 that's a tough. That's a tough question because it's, sometimes yeah. I do think some of the chances that we've created 
have been a little bit oversold as like massive chances. Like I remember mm. someone saying when they was talking similar to to that take really um, a few weeks ago about mm. in every game we've had a higher XG than the opposition and in every game we've created numerous really good chances and missed them. And I think you look back at that Forest game at home. No, we didn't. Yeah. We created one, the Nicholas Jackson chance in the last couple of minutes. That that was it. That was the only really good chance we created that whole game. So did we deserve anything out of that game? No. And we didn't get anything. Mm. So, But I do think there have been others, like Liverpool opening day. I think we deserve to win. Um, mm. was the much, we were much the better team there. Um, there have been others as well. But th- there hasn't been too many this year where I've looked at it and thought, no, we've played them off the park. How have we not got anything out of this game? So I would say mm. we should be maybe four to five points better off than we are. Mm. I don't know where that would yeah. I don't know where that would put us, but um probably uh, up, up towards I would... Europe, I would have thought. Uh it would put us if we had four points, we'd be on fifteen, so we would be, be we'd be seventh. Yeah. So yeah, I I think that would be about right because I do think sometimes, yes, XG is great and creating chances is great, but we have we have also been let off the hook a few times in terms of defensive lapses. So you can't oh yeah you can't just focus on the fact that oh we should have scored more if it's a game where they should have as well. I think it was that back to back week get two game weeks where we lost to Forest and then drew to home uh, away to Bournemouth. Yeah, those were just the two, weren't it? It it we it was just the fact that it was like one of those those frustrating results where we weren't awful. We just sucked. We couldn't score. That and was like same that, same that, thing that, again. Yeah, that really was the four points, wasn't it? I would say that we yeah. probably deserved a yeah, point agreed. against Forest and we should have beat Bournemouth. Yeah, agreed. Uh we finish with Eric who said I love Thiago Silva but he should not be in the starting lineup as he slows down our build at play. Oh, oh. now interesting. You shouldn't disrespect your elders here, I feel. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think he's got a point. Uh, there are times where Thiago Silva is incredibly frustrating with how slow he does move the ball out from the back, yeah. <laughs> but then there are other times where he moves it out quicker than anyone else. Mm. So, Mm. that's what it does make me think sometimes whether that's a purposeful approach you know when we are playing out slow from the back and sometimes yeah. people do like to bring up like our oh, silver's moving the ball really slow but then the game after he'll be hitting those raking diagonal passes and popping things into midfield it must be an approach it must be build up slow from the back today or Build up, build up a, a little point. bit quicker. because yeah, the tactics less about the yeah. Player. If you're doing it every week, then obviously it's a decision that you're making. But if you do, if you're yeah. swapping and changing, it must be a purposeful tactic, surely. Yeah, I agree. Actually, good point. Uh, right, we'll move. We're, hey, that was our unfiltered section. We probably will be bringing that back for international breaks, and yeah, hopefully the listeners that. you like it. Hopefully, it's really good. We really enjoy it. So we'll move to our question segment. And the God can always do, you listeners, you always deliver. So, Caleb asks, Kendry Pies, Endrick and Andre Santos are considered the top wonder kids at the moment. In your honest opinion, which one will achieve the most success throughout his career? And should fans be happy with signing two of them? 
Uh, Endrick will achieve the most because he's going to Real Madrid. Um, he has shot power like Thor's hammer. Um, he's wow. <laughs> yeah. And yes, we should be happy. Um, obviously, there's the concern that we've spoke about around Santos yeah, in a minute. That's true. Uh, the only thing I would guard against with Kendry Pires is he's 16. Yeah, exactly. I agree with that. Because uh, the amount of pressure already on his shoulders. Yeah. Already you're seeing the weight of the world on his shoulders. People talking about, oh, when he comes into the Chelsea first team. I think two it's two years. years yeah, to, it, I think he has to he's... turn 18 yeah. before he can come to Europe. Yeah. And they're like, oh, he'll come straight into the first <laughs> team. And I think, will he? Will he? Will he though? I'll I'll be I'll be shocked if he comes straight into the first team without without a loan um, first. It, so I think that that's where people have got to guard a little bit. That got to remember this kid is only yeah. sixteen. Incredible for sixteen I, years I old. Guess what he's depends, doing, but I guess it depends. I guess it depends what uh, division we're in. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, look, true. all three have incredibly high ceilings, and all three could easily be generational greats, but. It, it's situation and circumstance that's going to dramatically pay the hugest role in how they develop. You know, like I said, Endrick's shot power. Yeah. Look at some of his highlights. Wow. Just cannot stop scoring. And you've got Kendry Pies, who seems to break a new record every week. And obviously, Andre Santos has the leadership maturity more than his years. So, look, I'll answer the question. Yes, fans should be happy that we've signed two of the most arguably promising players in the world football. However, the question of who will achieve the most success, I genuinely will just say cannot be answered because considering their ages, each has the potential. But again, situation, circumstance will dictate their futures. Injuries, players who are ahead of them in the pecking order, everything else. Yeah. Because for every Vinicius, there's a Rubinho. Exactly. Exactly. You thought these, like Rubinho had... Rubinho had a reasonable career, but it was no way even near what he was predicted to have. No, you know, no way. This, this was yeah, and it was like a uh, who was that? Who was that other striker as well? I don't. You might remember. I can't remember. Don't you dare say Pato. Completely gonna... no, 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 no. Relatively. Gabriel recent. Barbosa. Yeah, yeah. Gabby, Gabby yeah, Gold. He, he just oh. he 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 was meant to be the next R nine. Yeah, he's. And where is it? Where well, is he's he won now? a couple of his stories with Flamengo. He's very good at scoring goals in Brazil. But but that's not the level that everyone thought he was going to no, be, is because it? because he moved to Inter Milan and it just didn't... Yeah, yes, I remember that. That was ill-fated. Yeah, I mean, I'll pull up his career stats here and it just, it made, it, it makes me sad. One in nine for Inter Milan. Yeah, he went to loan on Benfica. Uh, he got one game, didn't score. Then he went back to Santos on loan, got 18 in 35. Then went to Flamengo on loan, got 25 in 29. And then since moving to permanently to Flamengo, got 14 in 25, 12 in 18, 11 in 29. So far, five in 18. Yeah, he scores a lot in the Brazilian Serie A, but that's not Europe. It's a different ball game, isn't it? So, yeah. Exactly. It's a, yeah. Wait wait and see. But that, he, he he's the perfect example of what yeah. he just said circumstance and attitude you know you don't know how these players Mm. are going to cope with being the you know the next big thing uh Yunos Miata has asked with the building of a new stadium bubbling away in the background due to the due to the agreed in principle purchase of the Stoll site next door a move away from the bridge for four to five years looks likely 
where would you like us to play our home games? Wembley or a ground share? I mean, firstly, that's it's a lot. I didn't realise it was that bloody long. Wow. That's, that's far that's too long. half a long. decade. Like, I think... Was it was Tottenham away for two years? Was it? I think it was. Was it two feels years? There was like a Wembley that. for. Feels like two years. Yeah, I, it doesn't feel like it was any longer mm. than that. Um, yeah, that that that's far too long. That that's a worry. Yeah, this feels like we're getting not, the government not, uh, to do our uh, like high speed two levels of how long will this take? Yeah, you know, because it it's not only you're spending. So you've got probably two years bedding into the new stadium before that starts to feel oh, like yeah. home. And then just just as that starts to feel like your home ground, you move into your actual home mm. ground, which then you've got another two years before that feels like yeah. home. I mean, yeah, <laughs> so it's that, that's that. You is are tough. right because obviously Craven Cottage has been brought up, but that I looked at this a bit today, and that's got twenty four thousand seats compared to. Yeah, that's not we've got big enough. You know, we haven't got the biggest stadium in the UK, but our forty thousand seater is decent. So that's a drop that would be it's huge. I mean, that's in terms of actual fans who could actually attend our games. So that's a that's a huge drop off of fans who can't go, which sucks for them. And then you've I don't even think you'd get all the season ticket holders in there. No, probably no, I don't think we would. And not when you not when you take out take into account corporate yeah, exactly. seats that they take off that amount and away funds. And then obviously you've got to take in the revenue, which would be a considerable hit. So I kind yeah. of I feel there's one option, realistically, and that's we'd never do a ground share with Spurs. It just wouldn't go down well. So I, no. I'd probably choose no. the London Stadium because you get high capacity and it's quite easy to get to. And Yeah, yeah. Craven Cottage is not yeah. it. Let's face it, it's probably going to end up yeah, being Yeah, probably. <laughs> hey, we used to really make that our home. How many FA Cup finals did we win there? We, we, we used, used to. to. <laughs> change since, but we, we could. This is just a cheating way of upping our win percentage in the last few years if we move there. The the only positive for me with, with the Wembley move would be provided they open it all up for us and we can have the full capacity. Yeah. Uh, I might actually be able to get tickets. Yeah, to go isn't today. that that is so so bloody true? <laughs> right, and finish up. McLean twenty one has dropped this one. Will Reese James be able to return to his former fitness and mentality? I think mentality. Any question? Fitness. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, I have my doubts. Yeah, it's why did we have two top class fullbacks and they're both injury prone? <laughs> Oh, oh. It's, oh, it is. It is sad. It is because they're know, both bloody good. I have been saying this, though, and I think this could be even more prevalent now. Um, okay. We could save Reese James, I think, by moving him from right back. Mm, um, okay. Mm. With Gusto performing like mm. he was and True. with the sort of ceiling that he has. I think we've got an adequate replacement who could be as good as yeah, Reese James yeah. um, over the next couple of years to come in and play there. Mm. I think moving Reese James to a more central position, whether that be centre-back or as a holding midfielder like he played for Wigan at times, would save his body. I yeah. don't think his body can cope with the demands 
of being a sort of marauding modern day fullback expected to get up and down the pitch and support in both attack and defence. I don't think his body can cope with it. Well, his body proving that he can't cope yeah, with that's the that. I, and especially yeah. under Poch as well, which has a, a more high intensity off the ball sort of work. Whereas before when we was when he was being used as a wing back, we were still relatively pragmatic, sitting deep at times and then launching counter attacks from there. So you get a bit more of a a sort of active rest, if you like, where you're mm. not constantly up and down the pitch. I think the the way we could save him is move him. Yeah, I think that's very fair. And I'm not I I would be very curious to see him in central defensive mid because he won Wigan's player of the year in that position. And it weren't like yeah. he was just above his level in that league. He was dominating in that position. So exactly. it'd be worth at least an experiment. Uh yeah. we will we will end the Monday show with a game of Archie Thompson's Trop Trumps purely because I've wrote it out, so we're gonna bloody use it. Yeah, so let's do it. <laughs> you're definitely gonna win. So, yes. <laughs> <laughs> right. This week's category is how old are they? It's a it's a it's a simple category. I've returned oh, okay. to the sim. No more shoe sizes. Uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll give you 10 footballers and I just want you to tell me if they're younger or older than the previous. So I will yeah. start with Edin Dzeko, who is a very, very young 37. Next player in line is Luka Modric. Oh, they're going to be quite close in age, I reckon. I'm going to say Modric is younger. Oh, Chris, that's a bad start. He's older. He's 38. Wow. I thought he'd be 36. <laughs> I, I, I honestly thought 36. Like, I thought it'd be one of them where, like, Jekko's 37 and Modric is 36 by, like, four months. Yeah, <laughs> that's fair. Right. Ronaldinho. Older. Yeah, he's 43. What about Real Madrid icon and legend Raul? Older. Yeah, he's 46. Xavi. Younger. Yep, 43. Uh, I feel this one's an easy giveaway, but <laughs> Marco Asensio. <laughs> Mm, slightly younger. He is slightly younger <laughs> at 27. Uh, <laughs> Memphis Depay. Older. He is. He's 29. Uh, Man City's Edison. Oh, oh I, I, I've got a feeling Edison's older than you think. He's 30. Yeah. Antoine Griezmann. Older, he is. He's thirty-two, which blew my mind because I don't. I, I still see him as like twenty-eight. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so Timo Werner is he older than thirty-two? <laughs> Younger. <laughs> yeah, he's twenty-seven. And finally, Captain America himself, Christian Pulisic, is he older or younger than twenty-seven? Younger. He is indeed. He's twenty-five. So I feel like the only surprises there were Edison at 30 because he seems like a really young goalkeeper. Yeah, he does. But he's. But I, he's, I, I thought oh. he was in his 30s. Um, I just, do you know what it is? It, it, it's, it's playing FIFA. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> you get to know some ages. That's literally, if anyone's ever played Immaculate Footy, which I usually tweet on the uh, main Twitter account, 
I, that's the only reason that I know so many obscure footballers is because of playing on FIFA. <laughs> So it's yeah. like, like Javier Saviola. He's literally played for nearly everybody. Just oh, look at his, his everyone. He was uh he was one of those prospects again, wasn't he? On he the, was on those, on the old he was the next Maradona, and he yeah. certainly was not the next Maradona. He was not. So, <laughs> uh, thanks for listening to this episode. Treat yourself well. We'll be back on Friday to talk through the news of the week. And hey. We can look ahead to our huge game as as Chelsea's Lions take on Arsenal's Gunners in a game being described as on this weekend. So until then, <laughs> that'll be us signing off. You've been listening to At The Bridge Pod, a Chelsea FC podcast. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram by searching for At The Bridge Pod. And if you're listening on Apple or Spotify, leaving us a review is always appreciated.